there. Welcome to the Pastor Mike Drop Podcast. I'm your host, uh, Mike. <laughs> I guess that works. I'll drop the mic. And I'm joined by my co-host, Emily. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. You know, it just dawned on me that music that gets played leading into the podcast. We've mm-hmm. been we've had the same music for four years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you do you know who it is? Yeah. No. That's really putting you on the spot. Do you? The song is called Typical. Yes. Oh wow. Uh I know the band, but I'm gonna forget it, but Mute I saw Matt. them live. Mute Mouth. Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah. You saw them live. I did. Cool. So they're a they're a band uh that doesn't like to call themselves a Christian band, or they were. I don't know if they're still together. Sure. And uh yet all of their members, I think there were three of them in the band, were all deeply devoted Jesus guys. And so they would write songs kind of like you two that had this, this Christian message underneath it. And so that's why we picked that song for this. And that song typical is I know there has to be something out there, something beyond the other side. And so it's Mm -hmm. like this, it's like this prophetic word toward the hope we have in Christ. And so that's why we have that music. Now now people know. (laughs) It's also an awesome music video. That song. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It goes backwards. You should look it up on YouTube, right? The the mute math, typical Mm -hmm. video. It's actually a, a Christian theme song, and they were kind enough to to not object to us using it. There so, you go. Awesome. Yeah, Great. That was Very really, kind. really cool. Mm-hmm. So, Emily, how are you? I'm really good. Getting ready for VBS. Yeah, I was Woo! just going to say, we're yeah. only a few days away. Yes. What well, I know it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the info. Yep. Yeah. If you're new to the podcast or don't know our church, which is called Hope here in the middle of Iowa, uh, VBS is something God just put his hand on and blessed, and it turned into this thing. Where thousands and thousands of kids come every year at all our different locations and and uh, praise God and learn about uh, Bible stories and uh, have a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it oh. is a ton of fun for everyone. It is. Yep. It is. And we have, well, what, a couple thousand volunteers, too. Yes. Uh, and so, I mean, that's what it takes to keep track of 8,000 plus kids <laughs> yeah. by the time we get to mm-hmm. it. Yes. And registrations are up this year, which we praise God for. Yeah. Uh, but we have room. Always still Room for volunteers and for kids, for sure. Yeah. So invite, invite, invite. Yeah, we even hinted. I think we got some surfboards in the background. Yes, yeah. Yes. yeah, styrofoam surfboards, <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, surfing. Out. Yep, our theme is Hope Island, and we want to invite kids from age three to grade six to meet Jesus and get to know him better for they've already met. Yeah, um, yeah. So, but we're here to dive into something else we're really excited about at Hope this year, which is reading through the whole Holy Bible mm-hmm. together as a church family. And uh, we're up to some really classic texts, mm-hmm. uh, both in the Old and New Testament. And so we have some great pastor guests with us, Emily. Yes, we do. Pastor Andy Hermanson from Hope Grimes. Hi, Andy. Hello. Nice to see you. We already heard your music knowledge. Now yeah. we're excited to hear more. <laughs> and Pastor Ashley Lentz. Hello. From Hi. Ankeny, it's good who to be was here. here in West Des Moines preaching this weekend. And yeah. So it's fun. great to have you here too. It's fun. Yeah, the yeah. place is still on fire from that sermon mm-hmm. in a good way. I don't mean like you burned the place. I, I mean the, the, the fire of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it was strong mm-hmm. and it was great. Yep. Good word, sister. Thanks, thanks. And Andy's fresh off of a break and ready to roll up yeah. in Hope Grimes. So it's good to be back together mm-hmm. again all It is. It's so fun. Yeah. 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 Good yeah. To be here. yeah. Well, what do you think? Are you ready? Let's do yes, it. let's, let's do it. dive in. Okay, everybody, get your Bibles out. First Corinthians. And we're going to start actually in the book of Psalms, our Old Testament readings. And Ted, help mm-hmm. us out. Why don't we just jump right in? Anybody got any questions? Oh, yeah. No, should have saw that coming. Okay. What do you want, Bible readers, to know about the book of Psalms? Andy? Yes. Uh, a lot of things. There's a lot of things you could pinpoint here. I would just go very practical and say, sometimes, right, life is not for the faint of heart. I think we all know mm-hmm. that. Sometimes you find yourself in situations mm-hmm. where 
it's hard to put into words uh, mm-hmm. what we're feeling, what we're expressing, what we think about God. Uh, and also, I think sometimes there's a there's a wall that we inherit maybe through church tradition where you can't get angry at God or you can't be honest with Him or can He handle what I'm going through? And I just love the permission that these texts give us mm-hmm. uh, to be honest with God, to talk to Him. And that's how I knew I was getting somewhere in my Bible reading one day when, you know, the thoughts, it's like, oh, that's perfect. And those thoughts... Uh, start to jump out. So uh, laments are part of it, mm-hmm. right? But also celebration. Uh, there's just, it's just a lot that seems to apply. And what I discovered even in thinking about it this week, I knew this kind of, but Jesus seems to quote the Psalms as much as anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, nearly mm-hmm. half of all Jesus' Old Testament quotations are from the Psalms. Right. Uh, and so if Jesus found it to be helpful language to articulate what he was feeling yes. and mm-hmm. to address his father and communicate with him, mm-hmm. maybe that would be a good inspiration for us all. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. One of our writing questions was somebody who said, as I read Psalm 22, many parts of the lament sound similar to Jesus's words on the cross thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Psalm 22 jumps right to mind when Jesus is on the cross. He quotes it. He says, my God, my God, Mm -hmm. verse one of Psalm 22, why have you forsaken me? Uh, The Psalms, I like to say that they're songs written in the key of life, which is actually the name of a Stevie Wonder album. Oh. Uh, from Yeah. Talk about music. music Here we go. Um, Songs in the key of life. they're they're lyrical, they're mm-hmm. and they're poetry, and they're deep. And in the same way, good poetry draws us not just into some sort of kind of thinking about who God is and who we are, but helps us to feel it. it mm-hmm. Like good music emotionally draws us in; it yeah. touches our hearts and souls. And psalms are like that. There's, you know, depends. I like the way you started that, Andy. You said Let, let's just kind of keep it simple to start. When we complicate it. And it's fun. I like to do this too. There's all these different genres in the Psalms. You know, people say, well, there's seven different kinds of Psalms or 12 different kinds of Psalms. But really, there's, if you want to generalize just a little bit, but just for the sake of clarity, there's two. There's praise Psalms and there's lament Psalms. Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned the lament Psalms, you, the praise Psalms. It's interesting. It's not perfectly clean, but there's 150 Psalms, biggest book in the whole Bible. The first, the first, you know, half or a little more than half tend to lean toward laments. Not all, but they tend to lead toward people crying out to God, you know, saying, what's wrong with this world and the horrible pain we have to experience and the frustrations and the futility? Mm-hmm. How long, O oh Lord, is a repeated mm-hmm. chorus? You know, yeah. why do we have to wait? And they ask God to do something about it. That dominates the first, you know, 60% or so of the Psalms. And then the praise psalms start to take over, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because even as you read some of the lament psalms, people crying out, they tend to end, not always, but they tend to end with hallelujahs and praise, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. I think they're underrated. Um, Man, I hear so many people who just totally skip over the psalms. It's a big book in the middle of our Bibles. So it's easy to be like, eh, too long, too much. Some of these psalms are short and right to the point and can Mm -hmm. be our words when we don't have words like you already talked about, Andy. I just... Don't underestimate the power mm-hmm. of these prayers to be our prayers too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the fact that there are these lament psalms in here tells us that not only is God okay with us being um, vocal and, mm-hmm. and articulating yeah. our sadness and frustrations and frustrations, um, but He gives us a script. Yes. It's like here's the song you when probably want to sing. Yeah, yeah. In, in the way mm-hmm. a sad song kind of is like, yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah, that's the psalms. Mm-hmm. But then also these happy songs, you know, mm-hmm. that they, yeah. they hit us too. And then, you know, that sounds too simplistic. It's so much deeper than that. That It hits every emotion somewhere mm-hmm. along the way. Mm-hmm. So I like to tell people who are 
going through whatever kind of season of life, just start reading through the Psalms. You'll find one yes. that hits. You'll, you'll find one that, that is for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Um, what do Christians throughout history too often misunderstand about spiritual gifts and how can we know our spiritual gifts? Yeah, I love this question. Um, I think often we think spiritual gifts can, there's some misconceptions about this, like the question alludes to, but we think they're only for special people. Like you Mm -hmm. really have to be a Jesus person to have Mm -hmm. spiritual gifts. And then if you have them, well, some might be better than others. And so what's Mm -hmm. your gift? You know, do you drive a Kia or a Honda? You know, like (laughs) we said, we tend to compare these gifts Mm -hmm. and Paul is really clear. These gifts are given to us by the spirit. Right. Everybody is welcome for to have these gifts, um, and they're to build each other up. He mm-hmm. says over and over again, these are to help each other. We are one body. Uh, we've talked about unity for quite a while, and Paul continues to build on that theme. The church is supposed to be united. These gifts are to unite us, to help build up the body. Uh, we're not to compare them. None of them are better than another. Uh, they're all given out by the Spirit to build this body up and to really bring glory to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the way Paul develops this too. So we're back, we've jumped from Old Testament to New now, starting in 1 Corinthians 12, which is the beginning of our New Testament readings for this week. But we didn't just read 12, we read thir- we're reading mm-hmm. 13, 14, 15, and 16. And even if you go back to last week's readings, you can see the, you can almost feel the momentum build up, like, yes. like Paul is driving towards something. He says, well, Look, Corinthians, I'm getting some reports about you that I'm not real happy about. <laughs> it's not you know, great. you're yeah. you're not keeping the faith the way you're supposed to keep the faith. And so let's talk about these things. And, you know, he talks about disunity, he talks about people who are arrogant, he talks about people who are doing things that are immoral and wrong. He talks about the church not acting like the church should. Mm-hmm. And now he's getting to spiritual gifts and he starts in chapter twelve saying I don't want you to misunderstand this either, right? Because I hear you do. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And yes. and you hit it perfectly, Pastor Ashley. That look, it's it's not that only certain special holy Christians have these gifts. You all have them, which is Paul's way of saying, kind of lighten the fire mm-hmm. under every individual member of the church in yeah. Corinth. Hey, find your gift. Yes. You, you're supposed to be using that for the glory of God, and it isn't about you just comparing, mm-hmm. saying, well, I'm not as religious as that other person. I don't have what they have. Yeah, but you do. You, you have something different, maybe, but that's needed. <clears throat> and then he, you know, he talks about the body, and we'll get to that question mm-hmm. next, too. Yeah, let me just chime in real quick on how do I discover those? Yeah, please. Yes, right? yeah. please. Uh, I, I think there are, of course, tests online you can take, and there's a whole truckload of them, and you got to kind of <laughs> sort through that uh, even here at Hope, uh, I just talked to Eric Payton, our community mm-hmm. life uh, groups coordinator, and he was uh, let me know that he has a class on this. Uh, he's even done some videos on YouTube answering some of these exact mm-hmm. questions. So there are resources uh, even here at Hope. But I have found uh, part of it is self-reflection, uh, but some of it's asking the people that know me, mm-hmm. love me, yes. will tell the truth. Like, mm-hmm. What am I good at and what, what am I not the greatest at mm-hmm. really, I think, helps clarify uh, a lot of that. Yeah. And we can ask God for these gifts. I think, yeah. you know, if somebody says, well, I, I want wisdom or discernment, yeah. why are we not asking for it those? It eagerly desire. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So these gifts are not excluded from anybody. We sh- we should be asking and, and asking the people who know us to yeah. say, you could, you could use some more wisdom or discernment yeah. <laughs> out of love. <laughs> <laughs> out of love. Uh, that's really good. Um, why did Paul compare the church 
uh, to the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12, and what does this teach us about how the church is supposed to function? So we're in the same chapter, 1 Corinthians 12, mm-hmm. as Paul's talking about what spiritual gifts are, how you find them, how you discover them, that everybody has them. And as I was saying before, there's a momentum, he's building to something, and he's going to get to that. I mean, I don't want to give away next season's plot, but 1 Corinthians 13, is it's love. Mm-hmm. Well, love insists that we use spiritual gifts for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And the wrong reason, Paul is saying, is that you would do your spiritual gift stuff in order to get noticed. You would um, do your miracle gifts. You would prophesy. You would have administrative gifts. You would you would lead. You would you would do you would have the gift of helps. Whatever it is that you would do these things so everybody would see how great you are, because it's all about you. That's false. (laughs) To 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 quote Dwight in the office, false. (laughs) You know that that that's not what Paul is saying here. What he's saying is the opposite. Is because Love will not allow you to make it all about you. Love forces you to say, these gifts aren't about you. They're about the body of Christ. They're about glorifying God, not yourself. And that right there is a real key. Mm -hmm. Do Mm -hmm. we try to seek and eagerly seek these spiritual gifts for the glory of us so people will notice how religious we are, how spiritual we are, how talented we are, how wonderful we are? Or do we share these gifts for the glory of God for the sake of mission, to further and advance God's territory in this world, to serve others, this is the key. Love is really the thing that directs every spiritual thing that Mm -hmm. we do, including how we give of of our time, our talents, our efforts, and what God has given to us. I think that's really, really important. So Paul says, you're the body of Christ. Every part of the body is important, even the elbows. I mean, who thinks about their elbows? (laughs) Not a whole lot, probably. Um, you know, we brush our teeth, we comb our hair. We, when we look in the mirror, not a lot of us are like, let me check my elbows. Uh, but Paul's saying every part of the body, elbows included, are important. He even goes on. He's kind of funny. He's like, the eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you. And the, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. And maybe the eyes and the hands get more attention. But he's saying, actually, it's the feet and the ears that are just as important. Mm-hmm. So just be who God has made you to yes. be yeah. and bring it to the church, not to get noticed, not to get awarded or honored or a trophy, mm-hmm. but bring it to the church for the sake of mission, for yeah. the sake of the cause of Jesus Christ. Because when we do, yeah. we actually hit our stride too. Right. We, yeah. we feel more contentment and more peace. There is no peace for the Christian who pursues religious things for the sake of getting noticed. Mm-hmm. So on yeah. my sabbatical, yep. I went to a bunch of different churches and got to ask the question, how are you helping people discover their gifts, get in the game, right? Mm-hmm. And not because as a church we need more volunteers. It's true. Like we, uh, like like the rest of the world, we need all the help we can get, you know, labor to get things done. Uh, but honestly, where I approached that from was just this idea, how many people are leaving abundant joy on the table yes. that they would never experience if okay. they don't use their gifts? Yep. There's something about the way God has wired us, when that collides with the world's needs, mm-hmm. it, it changed my story. I think that's probably why we're yep. all sitting here. Absolutely. Uh, and so I think there's just a whole lot more that's possible. I, I also love this image because if Jesus is the head, sometimes I think I forget that, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, mm-hmm. and this is the Bible. I come back to the body of Christ fairly often because I'm wired. And I know I'm the only one at this table that's tr- wired somehow to be Maybe it's just an American thing, ruggedly independent, right? <laughs> You're the only one. <laughs> only one, yeah. But I mean, I just it's so humbling when we really get this concept because yes. none of us 
right? Mm-hmm. None of us, we mm-hmm. have all the parts. We can't do nope. this Christian mission on our own. Yep. Like we yeah. need help. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of loneliness out there because we don't have grace for each other. Mm-hmm. Because we, it, it, the, our world teaches us in so many ways, and I feel like this movement is getting louder. When somebody does you wrong or yeah. offends mm-hmm. you, dismiss them. Right. They're out. You can't hang out with them anymore because you disagree. You can't hang out with them anymore because you see things differently. You can't hang out with them anymore because they did something that was wrong. And yeah. maybe they, they probably did. Mm-hmm. But there's no grace. And that's what Paul's getting to. There has to be grace. Mm-hmm. Yes. There has to be love. And it's true in the church. It's also true outside the church. And it's this togetherness about this. It, uh, just to give an analogy here, an illustration. So the fastest 1,600-meter runner in the history of track and field um, ran it in three minutes and 43 seconds, That's roughly, so right? Fast. Four laps around the track. <laughs> it's crazy. That's, was that yeah. you, Emily? No. <laughs> yeah, okay. it was, Emily was second in that <laughs> okay. race. Thank That's you. right. That's right. Thank yeah. you. Uh, so this guy uh, it ran it in 343, which is just amazing. There's a high school track team over at the local Waukee High School here. Mm-hmm. Four high school kids ran it at the state track meet, mm-hmm. ran the same distance as this guy who ran it faster by himself. The, as an individual, he ran it faster than anybody. Three minutes, 43 seconds. Four high school kids ran it from Waukee High School in three minutes and 18 seconds. Wow. wow. So 25 seconds faster, four high school kids, good runners mm-hmm. now, granted, mm-hmm. but high school kids, yeah. not professional athletes, not mm-hmm. Olympians, not probably even D1 track scholarship people, but they ran it in 318 mm. because they were working together. Yes. Now, Paul says... That's what the church is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not a bunch of individual Lone Ranger superstars who are out there doing their thing. Hey, look at me. Mm-hmm. No. It's learning to pass the baton, le- mm-hmm. learning to coordinate mm-hmm. the body. A body that's coordinated is a beautiful thing. I mean, watch a good, a brilliant dancer. The, yes. the body's coordinated and everything's moving in just the right way. Mm-hmm. This is what Paul is getting at. He's saying, this is a picture of the church. Mm-hmm. It's not about you as an individual. Yep. It's about all of us yep. together. Mm-hmm. And when we get that right, that's like VBS. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. So beautiful. Yeah. Thousands of people working together for mm-hmm. the same cause yep. to share the gospel with kids. Doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, that was a good analogy. Oh. <laughs> yes. Are, are you feeling like going to the track? Well, I, we don't know about we that, do but it as a team. I could watch those people. It do also it. brings to light Paul in First Corinthians night, run the race to win, which yes. you just preached on, yes. Ashley. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, good stuff. Okay, back to this love stuff. What stands out for you this time as you uh, read the familiar words of the Bible's love chapter, First Corinthians 13? Andy? I I loved this question in prep. I see I what you did there. Yeah. You loved it. Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you. That was unintended. Uh, glad you noticed. I, I think it was a really good exercise because this is this is a text we hear regularly. If I mean we maybe we go to more weddings than the average person because As we're pastors, we presiding do, yeah. over them. Lots but of weddings, you hear yeah. this text in a lot of different ways. But when when you have to ask which piece of it resonates with you the most. Uh, it was challenging. And, and for me, I think based on, I, I guess I looked at it through the lens of people that I know and what they're going through right now, uh, especially in marriage. Marriage is never easy. It's it's challenging. It's beautiful. Uh, but right now I know a number of people that are struggling. And so it was that idea of love never gives up, mm-hmm. right? The mm-hmm. fact that it, it will persevere through all circumstances. Nice. But I mean, the first few verses there when he's like, I could do all these amazing things but they don't matter if I don't have this. He's getting back to the yeah. urges. I mean, how do you choose? Right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot <laughs> so here. Yeah. Yeah. I, man. Yeah. Same thing. So many good things. Uh, I love when uh, this time around, um, 
I could give everything I have to the poor and even sacrifice my body. I could boast about it. Mm-hmm. But if I didn't love others, he says, I could give everything I have to the mm-hmm. poor. But if I do that with a boastful heart, mm-hmm. no. I miss the point. No. I, I miss the point. I We have to, it's the heart behind how we do these things as a church, how we mm-hmm. run our races, how, mm-hmm. how we do this as a team. Um, if the heart isn't to love and serve others, we missed it. We missed yeah. the boat. Yeah. The thing that stands out for me, in addition to those things, you guys took a couple of my answers, which is <laughs> typical of, of us as pastors, but uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 12 is a part of this text that often gets left out of weddings, you mm. know, and yeah. and it's a little confusing at first, but in the NLT, it says, now we see things imperfectly, 1 Corinthians 13, 12, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. And then it gets into, so these three things, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest mm-hmm. is love. So love is the key. It's, it's the primacy of love, the power of love, but it's also the clarifying nature of love. Yes. It, it brings things into focus for us. It's the closest glimpses of heaven we get. Mm-hmm. It, even more than seeing you know, a beautiful waterfall over, over cascading over a mountain. That's inspiring, and it's, I think, a glimpse of heaven uh, or, or, or whatever. It's, it's love that actually is showing us best heaven on earth. You know, mm-hmm. we pray, uh, thy kingdom come mm-hmm. on earth as it is in heaven. Love shows us mm-hmm. heaven. Yes. It, it, it's the closest thing we get. Yep. And when it's a grace-based love, which is the Greek word here in First Corinthians mm-hmm. 13, not talking about romantic love, not talking about brotherly or sisterly love, talking about faith-based, grace-based love, a, a love that puts the other person first, that mm-hmm. thinks of you before I think of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it, is, it is a key to freedom. It, it's mm-hmm. it, and it'll help you see things on earth as it is in heaven. It'll help you clarify. It, it'll give us a vision in a way glasses help me focus because I'm nearsighted. Now I can see because of these glasses or the contacts I wear. Well, love does that. Mm-hmm. It it gives us the clarity. It helps us focus in on oh this matters. Oh this this really doesn't matter as yeah. much. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to make a mountain out of this molehill. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna let big things be big and small things be mm-hmm. small. Christian love does that. Christ-centered love does that. And Jesus showed us how that love works, yeah. and then he gives it to us. You mentioned earlier we we can toss people out of this of this team because we disagree with them or, or whatever. Love is that clarifying piece that says... You can't. You can't do it. You can't mm-hmm. do it. And the power that unites us in Jesus, this love, is so far greater than any of those things that would ever toss anybody out of this this race, this victory that's ours. Mm-hmm. Right. And and to be clear, I mean, there's times where things get abusive or, or whatever, yes, where it's like, right, okay, right. it doesn't mean you have to be a doormat and stay and Absolutely. say, well, I, I, I can't be, you know, out of this relationship or yeah. whatever. Of yeah. course you can be and the totality of scripture makes that clear. Mm-hmm. But the key is that when the, the stuff that we make to be like the most important things aren't often the most important things. And love clarifies that for mm-hmm. us. Love helps yeah. us see not pub- puzzling reflections that are partial and incomplete in a mirror, but it helps us start to see things on earth as it is mm-hmm. in heaven. And Beautiful. I, I'll, it, it's the greatest gift. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Yeah. It, we underestimate love in this world. We shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to yes. make one more comment pastorally too. I think, Mike, you were just getting at this. Sometimes it is the most loving thing to do is to set boundaries. Of course. Right? To to give people their space or to say, I'm not going to allow you to do this because uh, that space allows them to own 
their consequences of their decisions, right? To find the help that they need, whatever uh, that looks like. And so it's hard. I, 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 it, it's hard. <laughs> like, like, yes. Paul, like Paul is saying, I don't want you to misunderstand. I think it's mm-hmm. good for us to let the scriptures clarify these things for mm-hmm. us. The Bible will make that clear yeah. in other passages that boundaries are a good thing. Mm-hmm. But it also makes clear that sometimes where we set boundaries shouldn't be boundaries, mm-hmm. that we yeah. should have more grace yep. in those yeah. places, that we should have more room to, to let people be wrong, to, yeah. to let people disagree, to let people not always... Um, have a full understanding of this in the yeah. same way we do. And Christians play this game too when we get holier than the others and we say, well, I can't hang out with this small group Bible study anymore because they're just not keeping yeah. up with me. Mm-hmm. They, they're just not deep enough for me. They're, mm-hmm. they're just not, you know, we, you're misunderstanding the whole point of what the church is. Right, there's that competitive, <laughs> yes. unhealthy yeah. competition. And, and, and it's not just about, well, you need to, you need to be with all the other eyes, you mm-hmm. know, to use the body part image in 1 Corinthians 12. It's, look, your mission isn't just to see what you can get out of your yeah. group. Mm-hmm. It's to see what you can give. Yes. So if you know more things about certain things, about Christianity, theology, Bible, whatever, the Christian life than other people in your group, share it with them, <laughs> you know, lovingly, yeah. humbly, yeah. gracefully, yeah. Uh, teach them, uh, uh, edify them, encourage mm-hmm. them, uh, walk alongside of them instead of saying, well, I can't be with these people. They're just not deep enough. Paul's like, that's utter nonsense. Mm-hmm. You, you just can't do church that way. It's not how it's set up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good. What can we learn from 1 Corinthians 14 about the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues Ooh. and prophecy I, and orderly worship? I love this question, mostly because we're Lutheran and we yeah. don't talk about it. A little it. nervous. <laughs> so a, lot, we get to, a lot of Lutherans get a lot of nerves. <laughs> Sometimes. We, we get to talk about this. Um, tongues are this beautiful gift that Paul's going to talk about. He's going to address it here in 1 Corinthians 14. Of speaking in another language. And again, it's a gift given by the spirit. Um, and prophecy goes along with that. Healing goes along with this. But it seems that the Corinthian church was misusing this. Paul is addressing it because it was not being used in an orderly, loving kind of way. It was using to exclude people, make them feel less than, mm. and elevate other gifts over um, all, all the other ones. And Paul says, nope. Uh, in fact, tongues, he says, is a very personal thing. If you're speaking in another language that nobody else understands, that is between you and God. And so he says, use it. It's to edify you as a believer, to deepen your relationship with Jesus. Uh, But he says, you know, there are gifts that edify the church. He says, prophecy is going to serve the church better than your gift of tongues will, unless there's someone who can interpret that, he says. So there's, here are these gifts, and he talks about them in good order. If you're going to prophesy, do it one or two at a time. Don't talk over each other. If you're going to speak in tongues and worship, do it one or two at a time with an interpreter so that it's building up the body of the church. Mm -hmm. He's very clear. Don't use these things as a way to elevate yourself because you're not doing anyone any favors by doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Tongues, tongues is one of those things in certain, um, you know, pockets of the church family uh, beyond mainline churches where it gets used sometimes, not in every case, but in some cases, the temptation is to use this as a litmus test to mm. see who's really with Jesus and yes. who's really filled with the Spirit, to who's be more really, specific. Yep, right, who's got the Spirit. And Paul's just not letting the Corinthians go there because they're probably going there. Yes. Uh, they're, they're probably drifting in that direction. Um, and, you know, tongues is... But he also is an anti... Right. Speaking in tongues. Right. He's, he's very, he says, this yeah. is great. I, w- I wish people could speak in tongues like I do, he mm-hmm. says. It, it, it's Verse this, 18. It's a yeah. wonderful way to pray, uh, to talk to God. 
But he says, compared to all the other gifts, it isn't much. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. So quit, quit using it as your litmus test. It's yes. ridiculous. If, mm-hmm. Honestly, what Paul's probably getting at, not honestly what he's probably getting at, what he is getting at here <laughs> is if you want to do a litmus test for who's the most mature Christian, it's love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who's loving the person who mm-hmm. doesn't deserve to be loved yep. the most? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the deepest Christian in any church family. And love shows up in these conversations... I think, and this is just a good strategy in life, right, in in the form of humility, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Having a loose grip on this, uh, yes. I think, yeah, just keeping it in check and not letting it run away. I mean, the, you can just see how all three of these chapters really tie together. They do. Yeah. He says, verse 20, uh, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Right. And next to childish, I wrote selfish. I have a one and mm-hmm. a half year old. And so, you know, <laughs> I watch him play with his toys and he's an only child. So all of his stuff is his mm-hmm. until mom asks for it. Yeah. And then it's like, do I give it to mom? Do I not? <laughs> Don't be childish. Don't be selfish with these things. Paul is saying, uh, be innocent as babies. And I, I just, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That is good. First Corinthians fifteen eleven says, so it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach for we all preach the same message you have already received. How is this verse relevant for churches today? Pastor Andy? Well, I mean, I think preaching is a very, uh, polarizing thing at times. I think sometimes we get really excited. I mm-hmm. think because preaching has the power to change our lives, right? We can all think of a moment maybe where someone shared something uh, with us where it was powerful, where it was life transforming. The question that I think we can get a little blurry on sometimes is where does that goodness, where does that power, where does that transformation come from? Uh, and so, I mean, in, in the midst of this, I think we have to remember, and Paul talks about this earlier in First Corinthians when he talks about, I didn't come to you with wise or persuasive words, because it seems they're hopped up on wisdom of the day as well, uh, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And I think he wants them to understand the power uh, comes from the message. It comes from the God that we worship. And let's be honest, in, in the Bible, right, God uses a whole, may I use the word plethora, of, <laughs> of forms to communicate, right, of people. I mean, even animals, uh, and so I think we can get really caught up in who is preaching. Yeah. I think we need to look way more at what is being mm, preached yep. and what is the fruit of it. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Paul's actually repeating a point from the beginning of 1 Corinthians where he says, you know, it's not Apollos, it's not me, it's not... Yeah. I plant yep. the seeds, Apollos waters, God makes them grow. Uh, it's the message, it's not the messenger. Mm-hmm. To put it another way, yes. it's the gospel, it's not the goofball proclaiming it. I yeah. mean, it, it's, yes, right. it is... It is it is the word that God gives us to proclaim. So you're saying we can do 20 minutes on a sermon and be good then? It's you can do five to... minutes on a sermon. It's fairly easy <laughs> do you to remember do it. preparation. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. oh pre- yeah, no, I'm not saying no, no, that. Right? Yeah. We give Jesus, uh, yeah. we give Jesus our It also best. says don't put God to the test. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> but history's not kind to celebrity pastors, and this gets a little tricky mm-hmm. if we're going to be honest, because yeah. we're all pastors in a really big church. Yep. And... Uh, since COVID, millions have heard the gospel through this church mm-hmm. and in all the different forms, digital, in-person, all that kind of thing. You know, we talked about thousands of kids who come to VBS. Mm-hmm. And if we aren't careful, yeah. we aren't careful because we are human. The temptation for us, like it could be for any church, could be, huh, it's really about hope. Mm-hmm. It's not about the source of our hope is Jesus. It's We're not the source of hope. No. <laughs> it's not what we do, but... We have to do it. We want to give Jesus our best right. for the sake of mission, for the sake of the gospel. So we don't want to hide it. We don't want to hide hope under a bush. We're going to publicize our events. We're going to let people know. We're going to announce it from the mountaintops. We're going to go tell it on the mountain. You know, mm-hmm. We're going to say, hey, come to this thing because we want you to meet Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. We want to make heaven crowded. That's in our vision statement. 
that you preached on. That's how you ended your sermon, Ashley, this weekend. The vision, the last line in the vision is we want to make heaven more crowded. We don't, it doesn't say we want to make Lutheran Church of Hope more crowded. Right. It actually makes it a little harder for us. <laughs> it is. But, but we want hope to be more crowded because then heaven can be more crowded. Yes. We want other churches to be more crowded. We're on the same team. Mm-hmm. We don't want to compete with these things. I went, I was invited to go to Billy Graham's funeral, which is this great honor mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago. And it was a who's who of celebrity pastors. And then there were a bunch of us like me that nobody knew, <laughs> which is how I like it. You yeah. know, stay under the radar. But what was fascinating to me was there were pastors there like Rick Warren, who's written the second best-selling book in the history of the world, The Purpose Driven Life, uh, next to the Bible, which is number one. He's written the next book that's been read by the most people ever in the world. Mm-hmm. You, if anybody had a reason to have an ego, it'd be him. Not an ounce of it. He, he sees me. I don't know how he knows me or remembers me. He, he runs up to me, gives me a, hu- a bear hug. He's a big man. <laughs> gives me a bear hug. He says, how's everything in Iowa for the Lutherans? And I just thought, this is Rick Warren. Yeah. And, you know, then Father Dolan, who's the uh, Catholic uh, Cardinal of New York City, same kind of guy. He sat next to me and he comes to me and he goes, you know where I can get any Italian beef in this place? Because you know, <laughs> they had kind of like lighter food and he was looking for something a little heartier. Yeah. It just, it was so, um, so good for me to see that, mm-hmm. to be reminded. Yeah. Most of these pastors who are known are not in it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, some of them are, because there yeah. were some there had entourages and wouldn't give the time of day to anybody who wasn't going to give them something. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to name names or anything like, but you, you could just tell, mm-hmm. you could just, you could just feel the difference in the room. Uh, and that's always a reminder to us, I think, as, as pastors, leaders, ministers in a big church. It's not about us. It just can never be about us. As soon as it is, we've all seen the documentaries that have come out lately. Yeah, yeah. It's a slippery, slippery slope, and it's just a matter of time before the whole thing crashes. And if anything, yeah. Jesus has some very strong words uh, addressed to teachers, right? Pharisees, especially yeah, yes, when yeah. right. the, the millstone around your neck, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, 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 it's a sacred work. It's a holy mm-hmm. work. It's it's an intimidating work for sure, uh, and yet we're back to spiritual gifts as well. God trusts us right. with it, so yep. just be yeah. wise with it. And this yes. fits with the whole theme of what Paul's saying here about love. Do I want to be famous so people no. notice me, or do no. I want to be an instrument of, for making Jesus more famous? Absolutely. And making Jesus famous is the goal. Yeah. How can we make sense of 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty nine and Paul's reference to people being baptized for those who are dead? This is a tough one. Uh, this, this is one of the hardest passages in all of scripture. And it's part of a chapter that's just absolutely wonderful. And so we have to put text in context and realize this is a small point in a much, much larger passage where Paul's trying to make the point about the resurrection being real. And we'll talk about that as we move forward. But for now, this question of uh, baptism in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 29, it says this, if the dead will not be raised, what point is there in people being baptized for those who are dead? Why do it unless the dead will someday rise again? What? Are, are, we, are we some sort of Gnostic, you know, first century cult um, that's baptizing people on behalf of the dead or Mormons, some uh, pockets of Mormonism do that today too? Is, is that what this is getting at? And the answer is clearly no in the totality of scripture. Why there's all sorts of Bible scholars who just try, they have 47 different angles on this. Mm -hmm. 
some of them are more fascinating than others. The one that's probably most compelling to me is if you actually go back to the original Greek and, and parse it and put it all together, you could easily read the original Greek as saying, why do those who are baptized for the dead do it? That is, if the dead are not raised at all, why are they baptized for the dead? He's questioning it. Mm-hmm. He's saying, why are you doing this practice? He's, he's kind of putting it. That's, we have no way of knowing that for sure. Mm-hmm. But just from the Greek, that's, that's starting to come out. But there are other explanations, too, possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to go into any of those? Or? We can. I, I think it's good to remember, and you pointed this out, this is a different context, different time. Yeah. Uh, we're not telling people you should be baptized on behalf of your dead relative. That's not anywhere in, in the scripture. So I, everything you said, we, there's a hundred different ways to interpret this. And yeah. 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 The Bible's clear. Baptism isn't magic. Baptism no. isn't some little insurance policy you'd get. It, baptism is a sign and a mark of the salvation that God gives us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he is making the point that the dead will be raised. He yeah. is making the point yes. the resurrection is real. Yes. So that's where it kind of gets into this. Yep. But if you look at the original Greek, he's probably questioning it more mm-hmm. than he's like sure. saying, hey, that's a good thing. Keep that going. Here's an example. <laughs> yeah, sure. He's saying, here's an example of what you shouldn't be doing. But at least I will tell you, you're doing it because you do believe there's a resurrection deep yes. down. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Pastor Ashley, what evidence does Paul provide in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11, that in fact, Jesus did rise from the dead? Yes, he has eyewitness testimony. And I love this. People, not one, not two people saw Jesus resurrected. Tons and tons of people saw Jesus resurrected. So he says um, he was seen by Peter. And then by the 12 after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Uh, Mm. Paul wants people to know this isn't just a good story. This isn't just a couple people who who saw a ghost or something weird. Paul is like, look at all these people, most of whom are still alive and will tell you about this. But I'm telling you too. I experienced the resurrected Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I think I heard Andy Stanley talking about this. I think he was the one that talked about Jesus' brother, James. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, what what do you have to do to convince your own brother, right, that you are the Messiah? Like, if anybody's going to be skeptical, like maybe appearing afterwards would be part of that. So, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Uh, But relies on that, and that seems to be enough, right? I didn't – it was fresh enough news that they could rely on that – we also love to look at texts, mm-hmm. uh, look at history. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I've preached on this a couple times around here, and there are very thick books that you can read <laughs> yes. uh, that have lots of things. And I would just sum it up and say, I, I, I love to remind people, it is not foolish no. to mm-hmm. believe in this resurrection, yep. right? Like, we cannot find uh, his body to this day, and <laughs> uh, it is a credible story, and it changes yep. everything. We don't have a blind faith. You know, yeah. people, well, your faith is blind. You're just, mm. that's what faith is. It's just this blind thing that you blindly trust in. No, this is deeply rooted in history. People saw it. These people, their lives were at stake. You know, we we mentioned that too. Like, this is the Roman Empire. Believing in someone as God who's not Caesar is, that's treason. And these people are proclaiming this resurrected man, Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Savior, risking their lives to do so. Yeah. Yeah. That's really well said by both of you. Our faith has reasons. There, there, there's evidence, um, you know, there's all sorts of stories we can point to. The, the brilliant thinkers, C.S. Lewis, uh, you know, who came to faith, uh, Nicky Gumbel, who wrote the Alpha Course. Mm-hmm. I would encourage people who have questions about the resurrection, they say, you know, I believe in God. 
just believing in Jesus' resurrection is just a hard one for me. I, I just can't get there. I can't wrap my mind around it. Take Alpha. Mm-hmm. Take yes. the Alpha course. There's a whole there's a whole session on Jesus and his resurrection. The evidence for the resurrection is in there and why he died. Um, or read a book, you know, C.S. Lewis, any of his stuff uh, gets into that. Um, the Case for Christ by Lee Strobel, mm-hmm. another super yeah. humble guy who I met at Billy Graham's funeral and was just wonderful, ended up sitting next to him. Um, and just, just he, he writes as a guy, he was the legal reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and he had a wife who became a Christian, and it freaked him out. <laughs> he goes, oh, no, they got her, um, because he was a rational thinker, and he had all these intellectual reasons not to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And um, his wife, you know, dragged him to church a few times, and the pastor there, you know, asked him to look into it. So Lee Strobel got this idea, I'm going to write a whole series for the Chicago Tribune that debunks the resurrection, mm-hmm. that puts these people out of their misery, that shows just from a, mm-hmm. from a journalistic, uh, investigative journalism perspective, here's why you can't believe in the resurrection unless you're just completely throwing all you know, intellectual uh, credibility uh, out, yeah. out the door. Mm-hmm. And much to his surprise, as he looked into it, he became a believer in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And it, you say it changes everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If Jesus rose from the dead, if he didn't rise from the dead, Paul says, we're most of all we have a problem. Pretty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if he, and he says it right here in 1 Corinthians 15. Mm-hmm. But if he did rise from the dead, and yeah. he did, and there's 500 of us who saw him, Paul says, then, well, this changes everything. Mm-hmm. You answered part of our next question. What difference does Jesus' resurrection uh, make this for changes everyone everything. who belongs yeah. to Christ? <laughs> mic drop moment right there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so thanks changed. for joining us today. No, just kidding. We, we have more to say on that. Uh, so what, when you talk to people as pastors, when you, when you see the change, the transformation in their lives, underneath it is the power of this resurrection, right? That, that they... They haven't just put their faith in a philosophy. Mm-hmm. They put their faith in something that happened. Mm-hmm. And that that is transformational because our faith then is well-placed. Yeah, yeah. When Jesus appears to his disciples, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, yep. right? To me, a resurrection verifies that fact. And to me, that's the guy that I want to put my faith and trust mm-hmm. in, right? Uh, he is the king. He is capable of conquering and defeating any enemy uh, that's in front of us. And, you know, it's funny reading the Psalms. I'm like, oh, man, like David had people literally trying to kill him. Like, yeah. can't quite relate to that part of the Psalms, <laughs> right? <laughs> like enemy is, a you know, we maybe a broad term that we right. more broadly today, right. uh, but we do have enemies, we do. right? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, I mean, that's a big part also, right? What's happening in 1 Corinthians is... They're looking at each other saying, you're the enemy, when Mm -hmm. in reality, uh, in Romans, Paul talks about the fact that it's more of a spiritual battle, Mm -hmm. uh, and that is a battle uh, that Christ has won for us. And again, the resurrection points to that, and we get to live in the power of that and in the freedom of that, and not just with a wing and a prayer, right, but with the power of the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. with his word to lead us and guide us into it. And, And so to me, all of this is built on that solid truth of the resurrection. Yeah. Jesus wins this by love. I, you look at the cross and Roman torture symbol, and Jesus says, yeah. I'm going to die for you. And better than that, I'm going to defeat death. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be nice to control all the things in our life? All the diagnosis, the, yeah. you know, you said marriage is hard. Wouldn't it be nice to just know that, that this is going to end in victory? Yeah. It does. Yeah. That's what this resurrection mm-hmm. means, is that there's nothing in the world 
that's going to claim this victory for us because Jesus already claimed it on the cross. And I don't want to be on the other side of that. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) if nothing else, I know that this victory is won and I will walk confidently in that until I get to meet Jesus. Yep. Yep. And Paul's exhibit A, he's, he's almost putting himself out there as saying, remember me. Yes. I'm the guy who persecuted Christians. Yeah. I'm I'm the guy who didn't believe Christians were. I, I I'm the one who thought they were out to lunch. That they're absolutely nuts. Mm-hmm. But then I met Jesus, the mm-hmm. resurrected Jesus. I saw Jesus, and he changed my <laughs> life. And and you know, you mentioned it. You say, well, you know, we aren't like Paul. We aren't being thrown in prison or anything like that. Paul even hints at that here in First Corinthians 15. He says, you know, I'm writing from Ephesus where they're like animals sometimes and and they destroy me. And I've been here for three years basically now, Paul's saying, and yet I'm still willing to keep going back. I I have people who hate me here. I have people who are just sworn enemies to me here in Ephesus. And at least you're not like them, he's saying to the Corinthians. But he's saying, I keep going. I press on, he'll say later in Mm -hmm. Philippians, toward the goal. I'll, I'll sacrifice everything I've got like so many of the other apostles did. I'll give up my life to get this message out there. That's love. That's That's the same love that wins a victory for us over sin and death Mm -hmm. and and the devil. And that's the same love then that naturally can overflow out of us to change the world. And then we start living for something that matters and is going to last instead of ourselves again. Mm -hmm. It keeps getting back to that. When we start living for ourselves, no, even if you're successful, you won't have peace. It won't, it won't satisfy our souls Mm -hmm. if we're doing it for the wrong reasons. So it's not just what we do or what we believe. It's why we're doing it. And Paul's saying the resurrection, which is rooted all the way back to creation, he's tying it all in. And and his language is poetic. It'll Mm -hmm. happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. This is this it's just beautiful. Me every time. It's I beautiful. mean, every funeral gets to this. Yeah. Yep. Death yes. is swallowed up in victory. Yep. Who else can tell us this? Mm. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? And then mm. verse 57, thanks be to God, he gives us victory over sin and death mm. through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the linchpin of Christianity. This is the key. This is the thing that holds it all together. This is our inspiration. This is our hope. This is the message that drives us. This is the message that allows us to take the heat from mm-hmm. the enemies. This is what allows us to keep on going and press on, even though the world doesn't like what we say. We keep going because, well, Jesus rose from the dead and we belong to him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the most important message to get out there into the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Woo. That, woo, is yeah. right. <laughs> Go Jesus. Go Jesus. Yeah. How do Paul's closing words uh, in 1 Corinthians provide a window for us into the operational side of the first century church life? Mike? Uh, just briefly, it's something we already hit and something Paul already hit. He gives a whole list of people who are, are doing this together. Yeah. And so yeah. he names them now. He's mm-hmm. saying, hey, remember this person, remember this person. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're all in this together. So not at any point is he saying... Man, it's it's me, you know. It's right. it's it's the church of Paul, you know. It's it's my operation. He's saying it's us. Uh, so we're in this together, and now I want you to be in this to, to, together too. And I love the way he ends too. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you, mm-hmm. and my love to all of you in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah, that's a good way to close the podcast. <laughs> it's beautiful. Don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> May the grace of the Lord be with you. 
and my love to all of you in Christ Jesus. We have a time change next week. Oh, thank you. Yes. So we can't end with that note. We have another note. <laughs> Just a second. We'll thank you, in a minute. Emily. Yes. This, is, this is why we're at sea. I can't do this but podcast by myself. I absolutely need Emily else. to be at the yes. table. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about that. Please. Yes, well, because we hope many of you will be joining us at different locations for VBS next week instead of noon. We will see you at one o'clock live for the podcast. That's right. So Pastor Mike Drop Live next week at one. After same VBS. for the following week. And yes. same for the following Two week. Weeks. And then I'm going to take a break. No, no, we'll still be on every week. Still we will podcast. still be on. I think you yeah. got Ashley's to... hosting one week. I get to guest host with you, Emily. Yes. Yeah. I know. And Danny, it's like the old Johnny Carson show. See, it's not about Johnny Carson. He was the only, like, the late night guy's like, it's not my show. Yeah. So when he wasn't on, here's Joan Rivers or here's Jay Leno or, or David Letterman or somebody guest hosting. Yeah. And for all those of you who are under, I don't know, 50, you're like, who? What? What are you <laughs> yeah. talking about here? Look it up. Google it. Uh, uh, now, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you and my love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Cue the music. Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite platform and we'll see you next time. Yeah,